At Sleep Outfitters Outlet, great sleep is a big deal. Save 40 to 60% every day on every Sealy, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Queens as low as $249. Customer exchanges, closeouts, and floor samples. Inventory changes daily, so come in for your dream deal today. With no credit needed financing, expert advice, and up to 60% off retail, it's never been easier to get the sleep and savings you deserve. Go to sleepoutfittersoutlet.com for financing details and to find a store near you. Before we get started today, I want to issue a very stern warning. This episode will delve into some very detailed and harsh realities of being a 911 dispatcher and of true crime in general. If you're easily offended or generally queasy on detailed descriptions of crimes that occurred, turn this podcast off now. The calls, and especially the cases they're based off of, are very graphic. Don't come to me later on social media or in person tell me that I should have told you. This is it. This is your warning. I'm not joking around, not trying to hype anything up. This is some seriously messed up stuff we're about to get into. You've been warned. There are monsters in the world. Unfortunately, they're everywhere. Chances are you've met one in your life or at minimum brushed past with one. Problem is, when we knew them, we didn't know they were monsters. They seem normal. They work with us. They go to church with us. They could even be family. But something happens somewhere along the way. These terrible people decide not to walk the same beat as everyone else. They go rogue. Consequences mean nothing to them. Something snaps in their head and that's all she wrote. Unfortunately, when we finally figure out what's going on, it's almost always too late. County 911, what's your emergency? I just killed my children. Excuse me? I just killed my children. Where are you? Um, I'm in the abandoned house on Highway 77 right after you go underneath the highway. One of them's still alive. Hurry. How? Under what highway? You're on Highway 77 where? I'm on Highway 77 right after you go under 35 going towards Milford. Get an ambulance out here to save the one that didn't die. Come on. Hurry up. What's your name? Bitch, call them. Have you already called them? Yes, ma'am, I have. Okay. I need your name. I don't want to tell you my name. Hello? Hello. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. toward Milford, right after you cross under the bridge. She's telling me she's killed her children. Are you in your car? No, I'm not in my car. I'm in the house walking around. And um, one of them's still alive for real. She's asking to be saved, and I couldn't handle that. 
Hold on, Maddie. Sweetie, do you hear them now? Do you hear those sirens and stuff? She's got her hands up except for the fact that the one that she's on the phone with. So she's out in the yard. She says she's out in the yard beside the house. Okay, goodbye. I see them. They're right here. Goodbye. All right, bye. This call would be challenging for any dispatcher to have to deal with. I can't say that this is the most difficult to deal with caller that I've heard, but she's very difficult start to finish calling the dispatcher bitch and such, not giving it a decent location. Luckily, the dispatcher knew where this was and was able to relay it to the responders. The dispatcher did an excellent job on this call. 
She was beyond patient and caring every step of the way. She relayed all the info efficiently as it was received. And even though this was a psycho killer, regardless of her reasoning for being a killer, the dispatcher was still trying to calm her down and was almost understanding. This helped keep her on the phone and likely on the scene too. She didn't want to give her name, so she may have been wanting to run off. But her staying on the phone and chatting with her the whole time at least kept her there. I can't commend her enough on this. Dispatcher did really, really fine work on this. Now, at the start of this call especially, there's little emotion to the killer's voice, other than her wanting them to get there now and hurry, etc. A side note on this, if you tell a dispatcher to hurry, the chances of them going faster are slim to none. We already work at a high rate of speed. Most times there's no way to get there any faster. If anything, it's likely going to slow down the call. We generally have a certain routine of questions we ask for each type of call. Some of us have been doing it for a long time and have the questions down pat. Anything other than a direct answer from the callers is going to add time. Not from the dispatcher necessarily, but every word not necessary to the call is going to add time to the call. It's just the way it works. But back on the call itself, you can tell that the killer had some sort of issues. I'm not sure if they've uh, been addressed or even founded, whatever they are. But truth be told, I don't care. I hope she rots. Someone who kills kids, her own or someone else's, it doesn't really matter. Someone who kills a defenseless child is someone that goes beyond hate in my book. I think they should suffer worse and slower deaths than their victims ever did. And you can tell that I'm not one of these fair prison sentence people when it comes to violent crimes, especially like this. I don't think there's anything bad enough we could do to somebody that kills their kid like this. There are consequences to your actions, and when you kill your kid, especially the way she does here, there should be a special punishment set aside that, at a very minimum, would mirror what she did, and even more so if they could figure out a way to do it. The victims in this case... 12-year-old Kelsey and 13-year-old Kirsten seemed to have some trouble in their lives, but this was all seemingly due to the mother. Years before this happened, she was abusing the children. Details of the abuse are sketchy, but she did receive some sort of help in the mental health region, but I'd say that didn't have the desired effect. Just two weeks before this attack, the mother tried to kill herself, and right in front of the kids. She choked down a bunch of pills. I'm not saying in any sense that suicide is ever the right answer to any question, but why try to do it right in front of your kids unless you want to ruin them? The dad asked for and was granted custody at this point. The judge that had that piece of the case ordered a visit for the mother on the Friday all this happened. Even with all that had happened in the past, the girl still wanted to see their mother. Kirsten had a MySpace page at that point. And she wrote with a lot of excitement on the page, I get to see my mom tomorrow. Yay. She was very excited about it. The mother explained to the father that she was picking up the girls and had a surprise for them. She told the girls they were going to go and read books and, and sing American Idol songs for hours. No one knows exactly why she went there, but she drove to that abandoned house with the girls, let them inside, then proceeded to slice both their throats. The oldest, Kirsten, likely tried to shield her sister. She was also found with a stab wound to her back, 
She actually survived after being airlifted by helicopter to a nearby hospital. Her sister Kelsey didn't make it. Deborah Janelle Jeter was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole as part of a plea deal. This left her without any chance of the death penalty, but luckily also made it so her daughter would not have to testify and face her mother in court. This, as I said before, is not nearly enough. I really hope that Kirsten has somehow managed to recover from this and is living a normal life as she can under these circumstances. The next call we got is uh, a little bit harsh on the audio. It's not the cleanest of calls that I've had. I'll do what I can to try to clean it up, but as I've said in previous episodes, on cell phones, there's not too much you can do with it. It's bad quality from the get-go. The call itself, while bad, it's not nearly as bad as the details of what actually happened at the call. 911, what is your emergency?
that was just a clip of that call. As I said before, it was really, really kind of hard to understand everything that was going on there. You'd be amazed at how often we actually get callers just like this. Callers that are just beyond hysterical. There's nothing you can do to calm them down. You just have to hope that you can actually get an address out of them. And from this call, just listening to the call by itself with no other information, it sounded like probably calling from an apartment complex. Probably got the address from the GPS on the phone. What we call phase two. But even with that, an apartment complex has multiple units in each building. It's kind of hard to narrow down exactly which apartment this person's actually in. I don't know that there was anything else that this 911 dispatcher could have actually done in that situation. When you get a hysterical caller on the phone like that, there's not very much, if anything, that you can actually do to calm them down. They just keep crying. They keep shouting. They keep screaming. In this case, he just was bawling uncontrollably. And truth be told, I'm not exactly sure how he came to that that position. To where he's actually there on the phone with a 911 operator crying, just bawling his eyes out from something he actually did. Maybe he reached a moment of clarity. I'm not sure. But believe me, he was the one that did all this. He's absolutely the one that was responsible for this. The caller in this one, his name is Fidel Lopez. He was 24 years old. Him and his girlfriend had a tequila-fueled night and ended up in their newer apartment. They'd just gotten together. They started having sex. Somehow ended up in the closet of one of the rooms there, having sex there. Somewhere during all that, I guess in the throes of passion, the girlfriend, whose name is Maria Namath, she decided to scream her ex-husband's name twice. This was very early Sunday morning. Of course, Lopez did not like this at all. I mean, really, who would? But he took it to a whole new level. He ended up beating her. Apparently, just beating her was not quite enough for Lopez. He ended up sexually mutilating her with a beer bottle and a flat iron. This was actually pretty tame compared to what he did next. He inserted his arm into her vagina and then proceeded to pull out some of her intestines. He disemboweled his girlfriend. Before he actually made this 911 call, he did several other things. It's not like he just immediately regretted what he did and then picked up the phone and dialed. That was not what he did at all. He drug her in the bathroom, did try to revive her for a little bit. She was likely already dead at this point. He ended up washing his hands, tried to gather himself, tried to calm himself down, ended up walking outside, smoking a cigarette, came back inside, saw that she still was like she was, and then called 911. Now, just like most people, I've been really drunk before. Most people have. I've also got really, really angry. I've never got to the point of wanting to do anything like this. I don't even know how that thought crosses someone's head that this would be the correct thing to do ever for any reason at all. This is just insanity. And to think that just tequila did that, 
this is something you'd normally think somebody high on something like they got strung out on PCP or Lord knows what else. People don't do this when they get drunk, not drunk on tequila or any other alcohol I can think of. He must have been on something else. He had to have been. I can't think of any other way that someone would think that this is okay. He probably didn't think it was okay, but people do stupid stuff when they're drunk or high or whatever like that. I can't even think of myself or anyone else that I know that would have ever come to the point of saying that this is the right thing to do. Police came to the scene and they found the place just messed up. Holes in the wall, sliding glass door that was completely shattered, stuff strewn all about. They ended up taking him back for questioning after they saw what else they found. Her laying there, bloodied. And he confessed to doing some of the stuff. He said what he said about the ex-husband's name being shouted out a couple times during the sex. He said he takes responsibility for everything that was done there. Mr. Lopez ended up pleading guilty to murder and various sexual crimes. He ended up getting life in prison. I think he should have got a lot more than that. As I said in the previous calls, I think they should let the family do whatever he did to her. Or at least let somebody do that. Maybe not the family. They might not want to. But have somebody do the same thing to him as he did to her. Or as close as they could actually do that. And with that, that's actually going to do it for this episode tonight. I know it's a much shorter episode than usual, but truth be told, I'm a little bit sickened by all this has been talked about tonight. I know I've been through a lot, heard a lot, seen a lot when I've been a 911 dispatcher. This stuff is just over the top. You hear about the stuff and you look into the details. It's enough to make my stomach turn. I can't do more than a couple of calls like this in a time. I'm sure probably most other people are the same way. Next episode, we'll try to lighten things up just a little bit. But until then, if you wanted to chat about this episode, any others, look us up on our various social media accounts. Facebook, look us up at Music City 911 Pod, or you can look up the discussion group, Music City 911 Podcast Discussion. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram, both at Music City 911, and consider donating to the podcast. Help us keep some stuff going. Help us deal with some of the overhead and general maintenance of this podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash musiccity911. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash musiccity911. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you got any family or friends that you think might like this show, go ahead and share it to them. Send them a link. Just tell them all the good things about it. If you're not one dispatcher out there and no other dispatchers that might like this, go ahead and share it with them too. could be very informative to any new dispatchers or even a seasoned dispatcher. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show and you are a 911 dispatcher, find me on Facebook. Send me a private message. I'd love to hear some of your stories. I'm sure everybody else would too. That'll about do it tonight for Music City 911. I'm Brandon Hall. Hope you'll have a good one.